From the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, presented by a Cloud Guru, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome back to the Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. You know, as we move into March and the pollen consumes us and the days get a little bit longer and everything, we thought we would sort of take a break from from talking about the, the in-depths of, of bits and bytes of technology and, and kind of get back to people. Because you know what? Uh, you know, Soylent Green is people and cloud computing is people. And, uh, you know, we got to make sure that we're, we're, we're talking not only about how we're changing the technology, but also kind of how people are adapting to that. So we thought we would uh, we would bring in our, our chief talking about people and communities uh, correspondent, Amy Lewis. Welcome back to the show. Good to have you. It's been what, probably six, eight months since you've been on. Um, yeah, thank you, Brian. I am, uh, I'm chock full of pollen, so excuse my voice because I'm also on the East Coast. Uh, so, yeah, pollen central, but, know. you know, full the- of people and, and joy. I know that's the thing people don't understand is, is, you know, the, the pollen sort of comes earlier out here and then you get, you know, it gets in your system and then it gets out of your system. And then you go out to like the West coast or you go out to somewhere like Denver where, you know, the, the, the snow has thawed and then all of a sudden you get to live through the pollen again. So it's uh it's allergy season for like months on end, depending on where you are in the country. So true. So true. So, um, before we jump into stuff, cause we want to, we want to kind of talk about how communities are evolving and communities are, are kind of your, your level area of expertise. Um, what have you been up to? Cause uh, a lot of people are, are used to listening to you on speaking in tech and geek whispers, and you've been sort of moving away from some of that. That's been less and less of what you've been doing. What's uh, what's new in your world? Um, well, uh, in my private life, I feel like I've an, an unending episode of home improvement because we had a little, uh, catastrophe in the house. Um, never go on vacation without turning your water off. There's mm-hmm. my PSA. Um, so when you do, and then you come back to your swimming pool, uh, you have some, you have some new skills to learn. So, uh, we've been recabling, um, making the home wired again with cat six and, uh, we're, we're all set up. So the, the studios are, are more efficient and effective than ever. Um, so coming back online a little bit, getting ready to launch a new podcast that I'm oh. working on with Sarah Bella. Is this a break- yes. breaking exclusive here on the cloudcast? It's true. It's true. Um, new episode, a new episode coming soon. <laughs> what uh, does, does this uh, new venture have a name yet? Yeah, it's called save it for the show. Um, lovingly known as SIFS pod because, uh, save it for the show podcast is a lot of words. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. yeah, a lot. Plus, there's probably like 20 misspellings that somebody has picked up and <laughs> lots of lots of domain names that could be in there. All right. So save it for the show. It'll be out here in a few weeks. Yeah. Yep. And work-wise, I'm working for VMware now, um, uh, working on building community around the NSX business unit. Okay, cool. So uh, kind of the, the future of VMware, if you will, since they're no longer a virtualization company, they're a networking and, and uh, security and mobile company. So that's cool. Um, exactly. <clears throat> well, good, good, good. It'll be good for people to to have you back in their ears uh, on a weekly basis. So that'll be very cool. Listen, so I thought we would talk a little bit about about communities and communities in the sense of, um, you know, the world's kind of a changing place, right? So w- we don't really ever talk about politics, but, you know, everybody deals with politics. Uh, the, the world feels like to a certain extent it's become kind of fragmented, right? You, you're sort of on one yeah. side of an issue or another, um, but less about the the issues, but like, we now through, because of how we consume information, we can kind of get in our own bubble and we can, we can, you know, hear what we want to hear, tune out what we don't want to hear, block things and so forth. Like, 
let's, let's... I, there's a great irony isn't there that we are cons- in a public that's consumed with this 50 shades of gray concept uh we've lost all the ability to see any shade of gray right it's right. all binary exactly. right zero or one zero or one right so if we if we kind of relate that to the tech community we don't really have that choice i mean we, we there's always been silos in the tech community you were uh, an infrastructure person a developer person or whatever that kind of merged together, right? We had these sort of full stack engineers, we've had DevOps, we've had, you know, software defined and so forth. Where do you see, you know, kind of what's the, what's the, the Amy Lewis state of the union of communities these days? Cause you've been covering this for, for a bunch of years and, and been involved with building them and so forth. Like how are you seeing tech communities as a whole kind of evolved in 2018? Um, it's a really interesting question. And I think it, it sort of approaches three, three separate things. I love three buckets. So here are my three buckets for that. Um, I think that it's about people. It's about a little bit about tools and it's a little bit about events. And these are subjects warm to my heart as a, uh, the artist formerly known as a geek whisperer. Um, we talked a lot about you know, where, where is that Uber conference that's just about technology and how we used to have some of those that brought people together across these stacks. Um, but some of that got lost. Now, in saying that, at the same time, I think there's been a rise of some tools that help us find niche communities and sort of link together that maybe could cross that barrier. Um, but then I think Twitter was in some ways the tool that bound us all. And with the rise of things like Slack, which is, you know, certainly can run a Slack group or a community as an open community, but they are, um, they're a little more disparate, right? They're not quite as this uber, uber layer connecting over it as Twitter was, because you could get on one tool, one platform, do some search terms, um, and go down to your niche, but also find, find that broader tech conversation. So, uh, and then the last thing being people. I think that people are are trying to figure out, should I be a generalist or should I be a specialist? Um, so it, it's a lot of different things all at once. We haven't worked it out yet. The longer I'm in the industry, the more I realize it is on the individual to make sure they don't just have the depth of experience um, and their own kind of world community niche learning center, but that they reach out across the aisle and make sure they're aware of the adjacencies. Um, because otherwise I think it's really to your point, easy to get lost in your, in your small club. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I, <clears throat> the, the, you know, the, the, Hey, there's a Slack channel for that. Why, why don't you join my Slack channel thing? It does make it difficult because it does create yet another sort of silo, if you will, or another, yeah. And, and, and you, you know, you find those channels that you like the nice thing about Twitter, um, at least especially in the earlier versions of Twitter where you had bad tools and so forth was you were going to kind of get exposed to stuff because the people you follow would, uh, you know, they would find other stuff that they would, they would tweet about. There would be sort of this mix of like their personal life, their technology world, maybe the things they were kind of interested in. And you could periodically be like, Oh, well, they, they retweeted somebody new. I hadn't seen that before. That's sort of interesting. Right. And then you would kind of go down. Like, you don't see that as much like in the Slack channels because the Slack channels, by definition, are very focused on certain things. And um, so, yeah, that that is an interesting thing. And then well, I think we run into the typical sort of overload of a tool or, or get bored of a tool and then we try and find something else. True. 
True. And and I mean, I guess we could make this analogy with Google, because do you remember I grew up in an era, and I know you did too, where we would browse. I mean, yeah. browsing on the internet was a thing, right? And that's how you kind of trip upon these, well, you'd find some sketchy stuffs too, but you would you would come upon something interesting. And like you said, you'd go down that rat hole, the sort of classic, you know, um, people, who, and I certainly put myself in this, this bucket, call it ADD, call it natural curiosity. You could, you could be down some side path before you knew it. Um, the rise of Google made us all so efficient in search that I think we became way more targeted and less browsing. Um, it's even how we shop now, right? We can look at this, how we're remapping our brains. We used to go in and browse in a store and accidentally come away with extra stuff. And now I go to Target. They don't have it. I'm in line at Target shopping on Amazon just because I want to get out of there and get done. Right? It's very right. Target, pun intended. Right. The, the other thing I'm seeing in communities, and and again, a lot of times we, we reference back to say like uh, the VMware community, which mm, got yeah. to be fairly big and was you know it was uh, it was both practitioners, it was vendors, it was you know vendors who competed against each other, but were you know in the same room, if you will. Um, and, and the thing about that community that was interesting was it was, there was, there was a ton of people in there. There was, you know, there was learning that was going on. There was, there was networking that was going on, but one of the, one of the common themes and whether people like it or not was it was a place where kind of everybody involved had a chance to, to financially be successful. Right. So it was, Mm -hmm. it was sort of worth your time because financially you could, you could make money selling something. You could make money training. You could make money consulting. You could, you know, like there wasn't just a lot uh, of paths, right. There wasn't a lot of, or there also wasn't this, this feeling of like, okay, um, we're all here, but only, only one person in the room is, is, you know, financially right. benefiting from this, right? So, right. so will right. I stick around in it because I got bills to pay? D- do you find because the rules have sort of changed now between like open source technologies competing with proprietary public cloud versus private cloud? Like, do you find that that the communities kind of fragment a little bit because the rules have changed and the rules are changing in ways that you know, like not everybody in the room necessarily has a chance to be financially successful for spending their time in that in that room. That's such an interesting question um, because I can see I can see both sides of it. I, I think the other kind of key to VMware community early success was the company got a little bit out of the way, but provided the tool set and the opportunity for the fans to kind of build community around that. I think mm-hmm. your most successful communities are people and fan led. They're never vendor led. Right. Um, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm guilty. I wear the scarlet M of marketing. And if I don't keep my paws off something, I ruin it. I, I that's why we can't have nice things. It, it is my fault. I own that. Um, that said, I think we also haven't been so, so stepping all the way back, I think, and I would look at, at, at your day job too. You've got, yeah, you work for red hat, but there's a whole open source community. Um, but then somehow, like you said, we had these a little bit of the cola wars, right, where um, people had to define themselves by who they weren't. So we had a little bit of tribalism kick in. But we're in a weird period of there's a little bit of that tribalism. Like you said, sort of culturally, we're in a very divisive time. But knock wood, we are not in one of those dot bomb kind of errors. I came into the work world in. So I totally get your point that how you make money matters and and people are thinking about that. But um, don't you think it's strange that we seem to be divided and and competitive at a time where, I mean, we're very fortunate. None of us are, are, are digging ditches for a living. Our, our jobs are, 
are going well. We're making money. There's not a downturn in our industry. There seems to be a hunger for more, more, more. Um, but yet we can't seem to to glue ourselves back together in this kumbaya. Right. I, it's interesting. Maybe we need hard times. Maybe it's a Great Depression reset that forces folks to remember we kind of do the same thing. Yeah. Well, and I, and I think there's a certain element of this that <clears throat> as much as people say like, hey, you know, if you, if you don't pay attention to history, you're, you're doomed to repeat it. Like, we don't love to necessarily think about the short-term history. And I think the reality is like we've been living in a world, uh, the tech industry in general has been living in a world for say the last 20 plus years, which is the good part of most of the career life cycle of most people that we know, most people that probably listen to this podcast or been, you know, their, their career has been somewhere in this last 20 year plus. And the rules of that game have generally been the same, right? Like True. You, you, you acquired through certain people, there were you know, profits and distributions that sort of went through certain channels. Um, you know, if you were in a job, like you sort of knew how to buy from people, you knew what the relationships work through. And, and now with that all changing, you know, that's changed really fast. And yes, it's been maybe the last four or five years, but you're talking about four or five years versus say like three decades. And it, people like there was never, there was never a time when somebody said, Oh, by the way, here's the memo that says, Hey, all the rules have changed and here's the new rules. We're, we're kind of, there, there was, there the, the rules are sort of evolving as you go and people mentally have to decide like, am I, am I part of the new way of th- doing things? Am I doing the old way of doing things? And, and I think that's still just a struggle in general for anybody who's transitioning, having known stuff for the same 20 plus years. It's such an interesting point when you said that, because I, I'm realizing you're right. We've been on, we're the disruptors, not as much the disruptees. If we, do a shout to your your hometown and think about Detroit and how the model of building cars has changed. If we think about how Amazon and Whole Foods, uh, Walmart, et cetera, are disrupting how the grocery industry is going to work. Um, HelloFresh, you know, all the plate services, how we eat and how we consume. You know, we had we saw farmers go through this and now we're seeing this whole other place in the stack get disrupted. But honestly, like we have been, we in technology have been the disruptors. We really haven't had this mass disruption ourselves right. in yeah. quite some time. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. So one of the one of the themes that uh, you would talk about all the time on on Geek Whispers, we've talked about it on this show in various formats and so forth, or various variations of it. Um, you know, is this this term we use called sort of moving up the stack, right? We'll mm-hmm. talk about, oh, okay, that part of the sort of horizontal stack from, from hardware up to software, uh, the, the, as new technologies come out, the, the bottom layers become less interesting, they become more commoditized. And so if you want to stay relevant, you should move up the stack. I've been kicking around this idea for a little while now. Um, and I may, may kind of act on it here in a little bit. But this idea that, you know, this, this word digital transformation has become sort mm-hmm. of a buzzword and granted it's a marketing buzzword, but we think about it and you guilty. go, yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you know, we're all sort of somewhat guilty of it, you know, but if you think about it, it's like, you know, like you said, in your day-to-day life, you can order food electronically. You interact mm-hmm. with companies yeah. through software, through your phone, through all these. So it's, you know, it's not complete BS. Um, and I'm wondering, is it, is it, you know, should we be talking about people kind of moving across the hallway, right? Like step out of your cubicle and get to a point where you go, Hey, technology people, you really understand what the technology can do. The folks on the business side don't typically understand necessarily what it can do, right? They may be able to put it out on a napkin. Like, should we be talking more about moving sort of sideways in the stack with where the stack is more vertical and you're moving from more of a technical role to, to one that's like 
guide the business, right? And, and don't be afraid to do that. Oh my gosh. It is my new favorite topic. I actually was uh, lucky enough to be able to do a keynote um, at the Western Pennsylvania VMUG in Pittsburgh. And again, talk about, I learned so much about the city I haven't been to in 20 something years. And that's another place in the midst of extreme transition, right? But they're doing so many things right. Um, one of my key points was if you if you don't know what your value is, if you can't really say, this is why they pay me every week, you're in trouble. Um, and that is at a base level, some business awareness, right? It's no longer enough to go in and be the very best XYZ programmer, developer, et cetera. You really do need to understand what your daily contribution is back to your business. And I also really believe that, yes, we've all been coached, go deep, go deep, be a subject matter expert, but you have to understand it contextually. Um, and a, a shout out to my uh, my partner in crime, uh, Rebecca Fitzhugh, who also had a keynote, talked a lot about as an architect, she has to she has to be more agnostic in her thinking. Right. And I think a lot of folks who kind of geared their careers toward that architectural or design have have long since had to think that way. Right. What is this? How does this serve the business? They can't have too many um, sacred cows in that. Right. They have to be able to look at everything and see what solves the problem best. Uh, So absolutely. I'm very, very bullish on this concept of whatever it takes. Um, Take take a salesperson out to coffee lower the barrier between engineering and and true sales. If you're on the SE side, like talk to an account manager, talk to somebody in the business chain, um, find somebody in your business, read business books. All those things are going to make you more savvy. Really look at the industry and how it's changing. Listening to podcasts like these, right? Where you guys are very much on trend and talking about what businesses are popping and what technologies are coming. We all have to think this way now. It is in an era where anybody can launch a business, you know, with a few lines of code, we all have to be aware of what is our skill set? How does it parlay into real business? What do customers want? Absolutely. It's not enough to be the best engineer in the room. Um, I, here's my other analogy. I love analogies. Uh, there was a long time where medical doctors were science, 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 right? And then we all we grew up in an era where we're probably on the cusp of that, where it was very unpleasant bedside manner. And they did a lot of research and studies and people didn't trust people that they didn't feel like they could relate to. So you could be the smartest doctor in the room and be sued way more often because you were really unpleasant and didn't know how to connect to people. And they they forced in a number of medical school tracks people to take alternative classes, liberal arts classes, humanities. Um the same thing's on us, right? We can't be strict science, so to speak. We can't be strict technology. We've got to diversify. And I think business acumen is absolutely the way to progress your career. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I think it, um, I, I, I was, I was giving a, I was in a panel discussion a couple of weeks ago. I was actually over in, in your city of Chapel Hill and, uh, we were, you know, we were talking about kind of the evolution of, of, you know, business in certain regions and so forth. And, and one of the questions that came up just from out of the back of the room was uh, a student from one of the local colleges said, Hey, I'm, I'm interested in, um, you know, fashion and design. And I'm inter- And what I see is I feel like I have a pretty good sense when I look at, you know, like Instagram, for example, or certain sorts of, sort of social media, I have a sense of, you know, like what the next fashions are coming. Like I, you know, that's, that, that was going to be their thing. Right. So the equivalent of saying like, Hey, I'm a, I'm a pretty good at looking at markets. I could be a great stock picker. And, right. and they essentially said, but, 
but I don't, I want to be able to get, instead of, you know, looking back at two or three months of, of pictures, I want to look at six, like I need, I, in my mind, I think I need six to nine months to be able to turn that into like things that get produced because they're starting to think about, okay, if I, if I sketch out a picture for a shirt, like then it has to go to manufacturing and it takes, and they were, you know, they basically, what they were saying was like, in my mind, I can envision how you can build this business. But what I don't necessarily know how to do is how do I get six to nine months of data? How do I not have to make myself be the person that has to analyze that stuff? How is there, are there tools that can help me? And in essence, it was, it was in essence, it was somebody saying like, look, I have a business idea. I can think through the business. I know this domain uh, pretty well, I believe, but, but how do I assign myself, you know, align myself to the technology? And it was kind of a, a good reminder to say, Hey, look, if you're a technologist, um, go go have lunch, go have coffee with somebody on the business side of your business. Just go pick their brain, right? You don't have to question them about what the latest results were for the company. Just kind of, you know, find some people that you can get to know, um, get outside your comfort zone. If you're on the business side, go find a technologist. Let the technologist teach you about things like APIs and what that means in terms of going like, oh, we can tap into that data source. Or if you're a technologist, be like, I'm going to go talk to that business person, understand like, what does the supply chain mean? And, and what are the partnerships that have to happen? And it, But it was one of those things like, okay, we need more of these like business side people talking with the technology side people and, and educating them on, on what's possible. I, I've joked for years about the suits versus hoodies division, but I think that's the wall that needs to crumble down the most, right? Um, we need we need to have those conversations because we all benefit from it. And I know it's a little bit of a trite marketing thing to say everybody is a technology company now, but I honestly believe that more and more and more. Um, yes, you can be successful without that. Like there are certain local businesses that are doing just fine. They don't have to have everything automated to the hilt. But it is fascinating, the case studies that we see when you get to go to any of these conferences, it is the more unusual business we've and not to, to, you know, dismiss those in in particular verticals like healthcare and, and banking, but we've heard so many stories about that. But some of those interesting stories, like you said, in fashion and in art and, and farming and, and things that we never thought of as a technology business. There's nothing but upside. And and to your point, get get outside of that in your own business. Go to some, uh, you know, there's so many great mentoring and like teaching opportunities. If you attend a local conference, you know, get involved in STEM, um, anything, anything locally is going to benefit from a technologist kind of going and, and putting their their hat on. And they're going to learn about new problems they maybe didn't know that existed that to them are like, oh, that's so solvable. Right. It's It's pretty... And it's pretty empowering. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, it's again, it goes back to this thing we've talked about a million times, like be curious. It's okay to be curious. It's okay to ask what you think are dumb questions. And, um, but, uh, yeah, definitely something that, that I think I'm going to go kind of explore more this year on, on the podcast and in other means. So let me, uh, let me sort of wrap up with one last question. Um, and this ties back to your, your talk in, in, uh, in Pittsburgh, you know, you've, you've moved up uh, over the years. You, I remember the first time we met, you came in my office and said like, Hey, (laughs) what is this technology? And and now you're giving keynotes in technology spaces. And so you've obviously, you know, you've moved up, you've advanced, you've had experiences. I have to imagine that means that people are now knocking on your door going, Hey, can you give me 10 minutes? I want to talk to you about something as you start to sort of mentor people or guide people, like any tips and tricks for the next generation that you're, you're kind of using to help pay it forward and so forth. Oh my gosh. Uh, 
Well, first, I owe you a big thank you because I would be nowhere without you uh, not kicking me out of your office and being willing to talk. So thank you for the generosity of your time. You're welcome. And 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 that would be the thing. If if people knock, answer, do what you can to help other people. Um, it's just the best rule of thumb anyway, because uh, in the talk, one of my favorite things to talk about is build community before you need it. I think in this world where we have so many things demanding on our time, it can be easy to hunker down and silo. Um, but if you don't give back anything, when you need it, it's not going to be there for you. So it's so important to take the time. And number one, you're going to learn a lot from from people that may think you're mentoring them, you're going to learn a ton. Um, but number two, it's going to make sure that you build a safety net around you and give you more information, more feedback, more perspective, etc. So that is my that is my tip of of make sure you you stay connected and and don't think of mentoring as um you know it's not just like a vertical stack thing your mentors don't have to be many many tiers above you um they can be anybody around you with my one my one cardinal rule my new exception rule is i don't think your boss can be your mentor yeah that's tough i think you have to separate that because what if you need to have a conversation, a very candid conversation with somebody about how dumb your boss is. Inconvenient if you've put all your eggs into one basket and your mentor is your boss and your boss is your mentor. So Yeah, or just the basic thing of like, hey, I'm really interested in doing other stuff. And your boss is like, <laughs> yeah, but don't you have stuff now that you should be doing? Yeah, so. Exactly. So it's not that you can't learn from your boss. And, and I'm in the fortunate position of I work for somebody who I've always considered a mentor now, but I'm very clear that he's my boss. But now my former boss can serve as my mentor. Um, and and just keep those things kind of separated in your mind. And I think it keeps you out of a good bit of trouble. And it keeps you, um, keeps you reaching out to meet new people, which is so important. It's great to have that cadre of people you trust and you build the relationship with over years. Um, it's so important to have that infusion of new energy, new ideas, etc. Because then you can bring that back to your mentor relationships. Nice, nice. Well, maybe we can we can also uh, get your slides from that talk. Uh, maybe we can get them if they're on SlideShare or something. We'll get them in the show notes for folks if they want to take oh, a look a at them, or if the video if it ends up getting video recorded, we'll put that in the show notes. Well, listen, will, I'll post them. See, you're already once more mentoring me. There if you go. you taught me, if you if you pre if you create something or if you answer the same question more than twice, write it down. That's, that's right. a Brian Grace Lee freebie. I'll give to everybody. That's right. That's right. Save yourself. <laughs> save yourself the repetition. So, well, listen, uh, as we wrap up, uh, what are good places for folks to, uh, to reach out to you, whether it's, you know, kind of questions, mentorship, they want to maybe be a guest on the new podcast. What are, what are the good ways to, to reach out to you? I am, uh, my office hours are always open and people tease me relentlessly. I'm most findable. And the quickest response time is at, uh, comms ninja on Twitter. Okay. Um, so we are, uh, we're going to be launching, save it for the show, the podcast soon for sure. Um, and another kind of side note, which you'll appreciate because I know this is a hobby of yours as well. I have re kicked off my food blog. So if you want to talk about food, I'm well, any channel, frankly, as far as I'm concerned, is acceptable to talk about food. But um, I've relaunched The Practical Cook, which I'm pretty excited about. Nice. Very nice. Um, well, listen, with that, uh, we made it through without sneezing, which is good for this time of year. And, uh, <laughs> I have I have hot tea and like decongestant right beside me. So yes, it is. The struggle is real. Yeah, exactly. And for those of you that have never experienced waking up to a car that is covered in, in yellow pollen, uh, 
good, good for you. It's, it's not, it's not fun. Um, well, anyways, with that, we're going to wrap it up, uh, folks. It's always, thank you for listening, Amy. Thank you for the time and, uh, for, for Aaron and for Amy, we're going to uh, let you go and we will talk to you next week. And thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more podcasts, show notes, and everything social media. And visit acloud.guru for all your cloud training needs.